0: Texas Tech's dominant week was spoiled after the Red Raiders fall to Kansas State and the Little Apple What went wrong for the Red Raiders. What do they need to fix before Iowa State coming up on today's Locked on Texas Tech?
1: You are Locked on Texas Tech, your daily podcast on the Texas Tech Red Raiders, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Welcome to Locked On Texas Tech, a member of the Locked On Network. Thanks for making Locked On Texas Tech your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. I'm Ryan Mainville. I cover Texas Tech for the Dallas Morning News, and I'm joined by my co-host, as always, Emery Lida, a longtime Texas Tech analyst and writer. Today, we've got to talk about the ugliness that we experienced um, in the Texas Tech-Kansas State game. It was obviously a regrettable performance by the Red Raiders, but we've got to break it down. We've got to talk about um, what Mark Adams can do because Kansas State just put together a pretty convincing way to beat Texas Tech, in my opinion. All that is coming up on today's episode, which is brought to you by Sonos. Experience the game like never before with Sonos Arc, the premium smart soundbar for TV, movies, music, gaming, and more. Visit Sonos.com to learn more. Emery, how are you feeling after the... Uh, dreadful loss to Kansas State.
1: Man, it was just tough to watch. I mean, we've seen a lot of Tech basketball this year. We've seen some tough stretches of offense, where just nothing was in sync. But to have it for basically 35 of the 40 minutes of this game, it was just a really brutal way to end out a four-game stretch where Tech looked so good through the first three games. And obviously people say oh, it was the fourth game in a seven-day stretch. I do think that added a bit to – play into it but certainly I mean just watching watching this game and comparing it to how the offense had been playing in the games leading up to it just really left a bad taste in my mouth and I'm just looking forward to this week of action just so we can get away from that game and
0: never have to watch it again yeah and I think the the fatigue excuse or argument is valid I think that um officiating wasn't great in this game but at the end of the day Um, credit to Bruce Weber especially in that second half he really put the Texas Tech offense in a difficult position and he did something which we're going to talk about in our second segment but first just want to talk about the general um, things that happened in this game so Texas Tech fell to Kansas State 62 to 51 the Red Raiders went into halftime with a lead which was um, pretty surprising because they started this game off cold as ice you could really see that they were just kind of they were they were gassed, man. Like that's that's when I really saw the fatigue was in that that opening frame. um And then obviously Kansas State was able to erase the Red Raiders halftime lead with just a monster offensive second half, especially from behind the arc. And that was really the story of the game for me. Texas Tech went four of 17 from deep while Kansas State went nine of 26. Texas Tech just could not get shots to go down on the offensive end, and they were just really, really spotty on their rotations when defending Kansas State.
1: Yeah, for me, this game was obviously impacted in some part by the looks that they were giving Kansas State and the fact that Kansas State was maybe making a couple of really difficult shots. I mean, Mike McGraw had a couple that stood out to me that, I mean, you just have to tip your cap there. It's not something that you can expect every game. But at the same time, the rotation certainly weren't, weren't there. I think the long rebounds that Tech allowed was something that for me stood out as a factor of fatigue and was really a, a result of just kind of lacking a little bit of the 110% hustle that we've seen. And I don't usually talk about effort, but I think that it's something to say that when you have four games in seven days and you kind of see those effort, effort plays not going the way that they usually go for you. You have to question about whether or not that's just result of the guys being gassed and whatnot. But beyond that, I mean, there was still a lot out there that tech could have done differently. Rotations, like you mentioned, just weren't there at times. And there were a lot of open threes given up and even some that were missed. And at the end of the day, that's just, it's not a formula to win, especially when on the offensive end, they were struggling to get anything going on a consistent basis, especially when the lanes to the paint weren't quite as open as we've seen in
0: games passed and then obviously the three-point shooting was struggle yet again I mean the degree of difficulty of some of the shots that Kansas State was making was just insane I mean McGurl and Pack had a couple that were NBA range to say the least and we we were kind of on our preview pod talking you know uh, Mike McGurl he's he's not going to take 11 shots and he didn't he he took 5 but he made 4 of them man and he he played really really good for Kansas State in this game in just 16 minutes of play Nigel Pack played for 34 minutes was only 2 of 9 from deep um but but grabbed a, a lot of rebounds he actually um tied Adonis arms for the leading rebounder in this game for a 6 foot guy that is that is pretty noteworthy to me um, but i mean the Red Raiders, man, on the three-point line, it just looked like early season deja vu to me. It looked like this team that could not navigate the perimeter defensively. I think those that last couple, like, eight minutes of the second half, Bruce Weber did something different. Again, I know I keep alluding to this, but I want to talk about this in a minute. But um, Texas Tech has just got to get a grip on this, and I think part of that is getting – Terrence Shannon Jr. kind of back into the fold, and he was lackluster um, in this game. just Just to state, just to state the honest truth, he w- he was not good. He played eighteen minutes. He was one of three from the field. had two turnovers and three fouls. He was not great. He also had a, a technical foul. But um, obviously, it's it's his first game back from in a month. Um, Texas Tech is not better with him on the bench. That is a really insane take to me. Um, Back injuries are are full body injuries so he's overcompensating for his back with his legs and his upper body. Um, It's just really really difficult thing to play through and um, obviously you know this is not who we know him to be this is not the basketball player that he is and I'm, I'm confident that as he gets healthier. And as he gets some more games under his belt, that he will not look as rusty as he did in this one. But I think Mark Adams is posed with a little bit of a challenge now. And there's this idea of how do you work him back in after your team has built chemistry in such a crucial stretch after a month? I think, um, obviously, he's going to get worked back in. I just I don't I don't understand the take out all uh, of cutting his minutes down because he had one poor performance for his first game in a month. But I do think that Mark Adams does have a challenge here with his rotation and how he just balances things out.
1: Yeah. You don't want to be not playing TJ over the course of the season. I mean, we've seen in Madison square garden, for example, against Tennessee, just how important he was. And we've seen over the last year games like against LSU last year, where he was absolutely phenomenal. So Terrence Shannon is probably your best overall player on the roster when healthy, and even if it's going to take him a few games, that's something that you're willing to take those lumps middle of the season, you know, because at the end of the day, nothing's going to count in terms of conference championships and whatnot and NCAA tournament results until the end of the season. So trying to not play your best player, even if he's still recovering, just because you want to maximize wins now just seems very short-sighted. I do think in this game in particular, he was very uncomfortable, kind of lacked a lot of the lateral speed and certainly the on ball burst that we've seen from him in the past, that's allowed him to be such an effective offensive player, but that's going to take time to develop again. And then as well as that, the the rhythm that he's able to play in, especially offensively and then defensively being quicker on rotations and processing, that's going to take a little bit of time. And those are two of the things that he really is good at. So I mean, I'm not overly worried. I just think that you're going to have to ease him back into the game plan and don't be cutting his minutes just because he didn't play well on his first game after a month while still battling with an injury that is very difficult to play with.
0: You could really see the injury bothering him with his first step trying to get to the basket on offense and also um, moving laterally on defense. You pointed that out to me during the game, and I I thought that was a really good observation. But coming up next – I want to talk about how Kansas State just put one of the best ways to beat Texas Tech on film for the rest of the Big 12. But first, a word from our sponsors. It's the New Year, so that means New Year's resolutions. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in your plan. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, maybe even better than a candy bar. Built Bar makes it easy to stick to your resolutions because they taste so good. You're going to want to eat them unlike other protein bars, which can be chalky or waxy or just taste like chemicals. You want to eat healthy? I've been there, but it just gets so boring. By like week three, you're probably thinking this just isn't worth it. Where's the chocolate? Well guess what, Bilt Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate and there are so many flavors to choose from. You've got coconut almond, peanut butter brownie, raspberry cookies and cream, salted caramel mint brownie and many more. In fact, Built is always coming out with new limited time flavors. So check out built.com often to see what's new. Go to built.com, use promo code LOCK15 and get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. Thanks again for making Locked on Texas Tech your first listen every day. So I've been a huge tease for the first 10 minutes of this episode, and I keep alluding to this strategy that Bruce Weber employed in the second half of the Kansas State-Texas Tech game. And um, what he did was he manifested all of my biggest concerns about the two big lineup in an eight minute stretch that I believe cost Texas tech the game. So one of my biggest concerns in, in the off season, thinking about, okay, you've got Bryson Williams, you've got Kevin O'Banner, you've got Marcus Santos Silva. All those guys are, are going to get minutes. Um, how do you work this out on the defensive end specifically? How do you work it out, um, on, on the perimeter? So you've got guys like Williams, Santos Silva, and O'Banner who, are not the quickest guys in the world. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pause for a second and just say that Bryson Williams was phenomenal with his perimeter defense in this Kansas State game, but where Texas Tech still struggled to overcome this was on the offensive end. And so what Kansas State did is they went small. They, they played like four guards, really two like PBH guys, two wings, and then like a, a wing forward type guy against Texas Tech. And what they did is they gave... Texas Tech, the mismatch down low. So you were probably watching it. You probably noticed it while you were watching the game live that Texas Tech had Bryson Williams down low on a number of possessions. I believe another one was Kevin O'Banner where it just was a disaster, but... Texas Tech had post-ups against smaller guys, and they had opportunities to score easy baskets. But what Kansas State did was that they they forced the pressure onto the Texas Tech ball handlers, and they said, hey, we're, we're going to give you this mismatch, but the thing is you've got to get the ball inside to us. And the way that they overcome that is the guards on the perimeter press against the primary ball handlers for Texas Tech really, really well. And this is... Uh, you're kryptonite if you're a Texas Tech because you have to play your bigs um, if, if you want reliable offense and you can't get it from anywhere else, which is quite exactly what happened in this game. Bryson Williams was really the only guy putting the ball in the basket for Texas Tech. And Kansas State said, hey, we, we know you've got to get the ball to him to, to score points on offense. We're just going to take that away. And so I know I probably sound like a little bit of a mad scientist right now, but I truly think that this is – One of the more convincing ways that we've seen a team defend Texas Tech, I think the 2-3 zone has been a nightmare for this team this season. That's nothing new. Texas Tech has always struggled mightily against the zone for some reason. But other than the 2-3 zone, what Bruce Weber did is is a really, really dangerous thing for Texas Tech to have on their tape because a lot of other Big 12 teams can replicate it.
1: Yeah, ironically enough, it's the exact strategy that I think was a good one against Gonzaga for pretty much any team out there when you have two bigs and it's something that we've seen for a while teams in the NBA when they started going on the small ball centers like DeMarcus Cousins when he was playing for the Kings one of the biggest strategies against him was basically run a small ball lineup let him get 40-45 in the post and trust that the Kings don't have anyone out there that can score and get him good entry passes and so They just can't get an efficient offense up, even if he's putting up good amounts of points. And unfortunately, the biggest thing with a too big offense is a lot of teams get kind of there when they see those mismatches out there and they see that they have a small ball lineup facing them. They try to work through the post with the big. And for me, this is the biggest evolution that Tech's going to have to figure out because those the small ball lineups like that Kansas State ran in this game or even like Tech when they ran with Justin Gray at the five back in 2017-2018 when Zach Smith was injured. Those lineups are essentially designed for you to work through the post. They want you to get the ball into the post or try to get the ball in the post so that their guards can go to work and make my life difficult on the ball. And so for me, in order for Tech to be able to get past this, I think you have to have a Bryson Williams or a Kevin O'Banner start to work more through the short roll than through the post and just kind of work through being able to have playmaking off of them and force the defense to continue to rotate. Because if you just play one-on-one in a small ball lineup that you're running against, it's just not going to work out for you. And I think that this game was proof of that. That tech kept trying to post up against the mismatches and it just wasn't working because K-State kept rotating Kept generating ball pressure. I mean, Marquise Noel ended up with five steals, which is crazy because he had seven the game before. And I think that's just an example of how much ball pressure Kansas State was able to put on them, and a strategy that certainly other Big Twelve teams are going to be looking to replicate.
0: Yeah, I mean, it was it was so crazy to watch Texas Tech just absolutely stall in the way that they did. Um, and again, I don't think it's an indignation on, on the Texas tech bigs. I mean, Bryson Williams was phenomenal in, in this game. Um, I, I was really, really impressed with what he did. Kevin O'Banner wasn't great. Um, he had a couple of turnovers and a really, really bad defensive possession that I'm sure he wants back, but really I, I was just not, not super impressed with the primary ball handlers for Texas tech and the ways that they were, um, just unable to get the ball inside. You think about it, Davion Warren, he had no assists in this game, no turnovers either, which is a win for Texas Tech. Um, Kevin McCuller had three assists, but five turnovers. Adonis Arms had no assists and three turnovers. Clarence Nadolny had two assists and three turnovers. So what Kansas State did is they just they just completely took Texas Tech's offense out of the game, and it allowed them to come back and, and win this one.
1: Yeah, in fairness to McCuller, I will say –
0: He had a good game.
1: Yeah. He had a good game. I think a couple of the turnovers were kind of fluky on his end because he had an offensive foul, which was really congested. I'm not sure about that one. And he had another couple that were like, he tried to throw the ball off of someone to get it or when it was going out of bounds. So I think the bigger issue was just in general, the post-entry passes in this one were probably one of the bigger reasons that he couldn't have any success offensively because Either they weren't getting there and it was getting tipped and stolen or whatnot, or the ball, by the time the ball got there, it was in a position where the defender, a second defender already started to rotate and the match matchup advantage that you had gotten was already gone. So, I mean, that's one of the things that Tech's going to have to work on going forward if they want to utilize the post strategy against the small ball lineups is to bring in quicker post entry passes and make sure that it's efficient and effective in doing so and that goes on the ball handlers. I think that if you if you want to have success with those mismatches and you're not trying to go through different strategy and trying to run more like short roll offenses, you're going to have to run with the ball handlers being able to make more effective passes and I mean they can do it. McCuller has a lot of passing value that I think we've seen over the last couple of games specifically in transition, but it's that next step for him is being a more efficient half court passer and especially when you have those post mismatches, making sure that you can get them in the right place and get the ball into the post post player before defenders are able to rotate.
0: And so this is a concern, obviously, not because we saw it in just one game, but because there are a lot of other teams in the Big 12 that can replicate this strategy. I think um, specifically about Kansas, I think Kansas could do this really well, which is um, scary because Bryson Williams just had 22. Yeah. It's kind of
1: a taste of their own medicine, to be honest, it is. because Tech's done this against Kansas for probably three or four years now, and has rendered Udo Kazabuki and then David McCormick effectively useless
0: against them. And they've also done it to, you got any more guesses? West Virginia? Yeah, West Virginia. Just, just hacking Derek Culver, making him go to the line and, and make shots there. What was it? There was a game where they had like 51 points in Lubbock yeah. and 36 of them were from the foul line. Yeah, it's nuts, man. But um, obviously, this is this is concerning if you're Texas Tech, because um, this is a thing that a lot of teams can replicate like Kansas. I think Iowa State could do this. Texas is probably a little too big. Oklahoma is probably a little too big. Um, I think TCU. Yeah, I think Oklahoma State could probably do it. They'd be a little bit bigger than a lot of other teams in the league, but they're they're a team that I think would be really interesting to see. So, other than post entry passes, I know you mentioned that, but is there anything else that Texas Tech can do when they get this look to kind of negate the effects? Well,
1: one thing that a lot of NBA teams facing small ball have done to be able to mitigate the effects of that are to run instead of putting the big in the post, put them on a pick and roll and essentially use the big as a half court facilitator right and so you get the you get the ball to the big on the short roll and you have guys cutting around them and that limits the options that the defenses can have in terms of rotating guys over and forcing the ball out of the big's hands and instead of making it a situation where he's having to make an angled pass out of the post he can run it from the top of the key and i think we had seen tech utilize bryson williams more in the pick and roll game over the last few games prior to Kansas state. And I think they maybe got a little bit greedy with the post-action because he was having so much success. And that's one thing to keep in mind. He was playing extremely well and individually. It's just that because of the way that Kansas state were, was defending it. And in some ways because they weren't having any success with Davion Bradford out there, it forced their hand in the small ball lineup and it made it to where they were able to rotate quickly. So just running more short roll, Obviously, I think some of it too is guys cutting better off the ball, giving more opportunities, and that could be helped with a lot with better fatigue or, excuse me, better rest and less fatigue.
0: That's good stuff. I want to talk about Bryson Williams a little bit more to close out today's episode. Bet Online would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. BetOnline remains the number one spot for all the bets, the best sports wagering action for 2022. It's the new year, and there's a new and updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKEDON to get started. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. So, Texas Tech might be in a little bit of a tricky position here with um, their offense seemingly having a kryptonite and um, the guard play being lackluster right now. And Terrence Shannon Jr. still getting back into the mix. But man, Bryson Williams has, has been phenomenal lately from um, really the Kansas game. The Kansas game was where um he he kind of uh he he proved me wrong in a lot of ways and I I really thought that after what we saw from his early season performance that he was just gonna disappear against high level competition but he's gotten a lot better he he struggled against Oklahoma State did not have a good game that night but Kansas State he had a good game Baylor I think he had a pretty good game and then obviously the Kansas State game was incredible um but what we What we've seen from Bryson Williams, too, is also really, really good defense on the perimeter, which was really surprising to me. I mean, he did a bunch of things in this Kansas State game that just caught me by surprise. One of them was the perimeter defense, and another one was him randomly having a straight line drive that he just took right to the basket and put it in. That was just, that was stupid, man. I would never have expected to see that from him, but I feel like he's really evolving into a player that knows how to get his own shot and make it.
1: Yeah, that straight straight line drive was straight out of something that we saw a couple of times at UTEP, but certainly against a Big 12 defense, and one that has been very aggressive at forcing on-ball steals. I mean, he looked more like Jared Culver there than a Bryson Williams, a normal big. So for him to have that in his arsenal really caught me by surprise as well. But certainly for him defensively, I think that's where he's taken a huge step forward the last few games. And it really opens up a lot of what Tech can do on the defensive side of things, because that was probably my main concern with the two big lineup at the start of the season, was just teams were going to attack the switch, similar to how we saw Baylor at times doing that against Tech last year when they ran with PV and Santos Silva. But this year, that's been really a strength of the defense is that even when those bigs are switched on to the guards for opposing teams that hasn't really mattered. And that was something I felt like it was key in winning the Baylor, winning the Baylor game and just making sure that their guards weren't getting good looks off the of switches. I mean, obviously you have the last possession of Santos Silva, which has been a point of discussion of what was a Kendra thinking, but when you have some, when you have a five on you and you're a guard that's been elite at creating your shot, it's natural to try and attack that mismatch. And so with Williams, especially, we've really seen that progression and Obviously offensively, I think there's going to continue to be a little bit inconsistencies because he really is someone that can really is aggressive and attacking and trying to get his own shot. And so we're going to see games where he has inefficiencies, but as a whole, I mean, he's really found a way to be versatile in this game, and he can score at all three levels. I know the broadcast mentioned that a number of times on Saturday, but it's a strength of his. He's able to finish around the rim most of the time with good efficiency. From the mid-range. he's a pretty good shooter there. And from the three, he's really found a shot this year in terms of just being able to hit him from the top of the key at a very high rate.
0: Yeah, I mean, he he's really, really impressed me lately, and it's almost like a little bit of like a – a, a bummer too because we're seeing Daniel Bacho kind of get pushed out of the rotation a little bit now because um, Bryson Williams has been playing great but so has Marco Santos Silva I mean this guy has been playing really really good lately he's been moving really well on the perimeter defensively especially that's kind of where I've noticed him playing his best basketball lately is defensively but if Bryson Williams can be um, this type of guy, even even a fragment of it, it's gonna be a huge help for Texas Tech because I mean, he, he was really all this team had going for them um on Saturday against Kansas State. Texas Tech was ten of thirty-three out, outside of him. So a night that they'd like to forget and a night that I'd like to forget as well. So before we close out, Emery, do you have anything else you wanna mention about this game?
1: I thought Davion Warren played pretty well. He had two threes in this one that we had not really seen him shooting the ball very efficiently coming into the game. And I think that's something to build off of. And I also think that I'm interested to see if one of the adaptations that we see going forward is for tech to try running a little bit less the two big stuffs. I mentioned earlier in the season, they were at 97% of their minutes had two bigs on the floor. I think that might've gone up just slightly over the last few games, just because you had the games where you had guys missing due to COVID and Had to run two big lineups at all times, sometimes three bigs. But I do think that we might see a little bit more of running like a TJ at the four eventually. But certainly, it's going to be interesting to see how they manage the lineups. And for Davion Warren, it was just nice to see that shot going in because he'd been on a real cold stretch dating back to the end of December.
0: Shot looked really, really pure on those two jumpers as well. Um, But he missed three free throws somehow, which is just... Mind-numbing to me, the this only guy that missed a free throw. This team is, like, just cursed from the free throw. And we had a banner on Thursday
1: night missing, what was it? Was it two or three free throws? And he's a guy that was near 90%
0: at Oral Roberts for his
1: last two years. Like, it
0: makes no sense. Yeah. I, I don't know what's going on with Texas Tech and the free throw line right now, but they seriously need to ask anybody that specializes in free throws to come get their master's degree at Texas Tech and spend a couple of years on the bench with Mark Adams.
1: Yeah, are we still
0: doing the 50
1: free throws for every one missed in the game? Because if not, I might want to double that and make it
0: 100 for every miss. It's it, it's brutal. They're shooting 66% from the line right now. That's 302nd in the country. That's just, that's inexcusable. That's, that's going to lose you games. And um, I know it's a bit of a dead horse here and I, I don't want to beat it, but man, Texas Tech... They they better turn that around quick, man.
1: Yeah, I mean, probably the one thing saving them is somehow their opponents this year are shooting worse from the free throw line. If you look at on uh, Bartovik, they're shooting opponents are shooting sixty five percent from the line, which is very crazy to think about considering that you've shot so bad from the line and somehow somehow
0: it hasn't cost you because the opponents have been even worse. Yeah, I have sports ref open right now, and that's uh that 65% from from the line is the uh, 17th lowest in the country. So uh credit Raider Riot, credit uh credit Mark Adams, credit the Pirate Curse. I don't know, man, but well, whatever Florida it is, Canada's it's working. It's real. I guess so, man. I guess so. Um, I I gotta look at those splits and see what it looks like for opponents in Lubbock versus on the road. But hey. We'll be back tomorrow. We, we got a preview in Iowa State game where Texas Tech will have more than seven guys and have a chance at retribution. It's kind of crazy that they're going to be done with a Big 12 opponent um, within like two weeks of, of starting to play them. It just feels kind of weird, but it is what it is. Mark Adams will hope to lead his team to a victory in Lubbock. Um, hopefully that, you know, USA home court advantage shows up, Iowa State, uh, shoots way less than 63% from the free throw line. I hope it happens. But until we're back, keep up with us on social. You can follow me at LBK. You can follow Emery at eracer41. And you can follow the official Locked On Texas Tech Twitter at Locked on TTU. Follow us wherever you listen to podcasts. Leave a review. If possible, it helps us out a ton. Um, Thanks for making Locked on Texas Tech your first listen every day. Now be sure to make your second listen, Locked on Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked on Bets, hosted by your boy, Key, with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all platforms just like us. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you tomorrow. Go Chiefs.